Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So all three of our scripture lessons for today, they are excellent examples of why it's important to follow a specific uh, principle when you're reading scripture. So when you're reading the Bible, you should always let scripture interpret scripture. So that means that we shouldn't just take little verses or snippets of, of God's word and then take them out of their context and, and ignoring all else that scripture says, try to digest them, try to, to take this little snippet and apply it to our life. Now, if you did that with our text for today, uh, all three of our readings, you'd have a pretty distorted view of how God works with his people, about how he, he offers to us salvation, about how we get to heaven. Uh, because in all three of these readings, maybe you notice there is very, very little gospel. Uh, there is not very much in these readings that point us to Jesus, that point us to the sacrifice that he made for the, the, the forgiveness of our sins, for our salvation. Uh, what we have in our readings for today are a lot of commands, a lot of things that, that we should try to do, a lot of things that, that we must do. Uh, but none of these verses were meant to be read or understood in a vacuum. Right, so our text for today from 1 John, uh, it's just four sentences. Four sentences from an entire letter that, that the Apostle John wrote to, to believers. And, and when we read them, they, they might prick your, your Lutheran ears a little bit because there's something here that doesn't quite sound right. Uh, but then when we step back and let Scripture interpret Scripture, we see how these four sentences fit like a puzzle piece into, into the doctrine, the teachings of Scripture. And how they are so useful and beneficial for us. They are so important as they, they warn us about this temptation that is present for all believers. And in fact, all three of these readings warn us against the same thing. Uh, a sneaky, sinister temptation that's always there for us as long as we are in this world. And it's a temptation of worldliness. So it's the temptation to, to look at the creation that, that God has given us. The creation. And put that creation over and above the Creator. Today we're talking about how to live in citizens, as citizens of heaven in this world. How to be in this world. To be the, the light of it, the salt of it, but not belong to it. Not let it consume us. We'll answer the question we just sang about. What is the world to me? So let's read our text here from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17. through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, boasting about material possessions, is not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Dear Heavenly Father, these words are yours, and so we know that they are the truth. We ask that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. So right off the bat, that first sentence strikes us as strange. Do not love the world or anything that is in the world. Uh, there's a lot of things about this world that I love. Uh, I love traveling. I love hiking. I love the, the beauty as I'm driving home from work every day. And you see that, that lookout over Lookout Drive. And you see the, the changing colors in the River Valley. It's gorgeous. right? I, I love my family. There's a lot of things in this world that I love. Uh, but John here is talking about a different love. So if I say I love pizza which I absolutely do. That is not the kind of love that John is talking about here. Uh, the kind of love he's talking about is, is agape love. So this is love that is unconditional. This love is a love that is a commitment. It's a love that says that, that this is, it, it indicates primacy. So this is the first thing. This is the most important thing to me. 
So John is saying the, the world, the creation, and anything in this world cannot take precedence over your faith, over your God. Right? Don't elevate the creation over and above the Creator. If the physical world, what we see, what we touch, what we experience, if, if anything in this world takes first place in your heart over and above your God, that's idolatry. Right? That's the definition. That something else takes first place in our heart over our God. So don't let the most important thing in your life be something in this world. But what is this world? And what does that mean? Again, we need to let Scripture interpret Scripture. What does John mean by the world? Does he mean creation, the, the beauty of the, the, the lakes and rivers and streams and mountains? No. In 1 John chapter 5 of, of this letter, he says the whole world lies in the grip of the evil one. Uh, so when John here is talking about the world, he's not talking about uh, the natural things that are our gifts to God that he has given to us to, to enjoy and, and, and to, to use, to utilize. Uh, he's talking about the, the, the sinful world, the sin-filled world that is in opposition, in rebellion to its creator. Right? So it's, it, when we talk about the three major spiritual enemies that we have, we say it's, it's the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. That is what John is talking about. He's talking about the world that is in opposition to its creator. Uh, so John is not saying that it's wrong to appreciate uh, the world, to enjoy hikes and, and traveling and the changing leaves. Uh, worldliness, this sin, is not about having stuff. right? Worldliness is not about possessing things. It's about loving things. Uh, worldliness is about making it so that those things are our source of our, our comfort, our peace, our hope, our joy in life over and above what our, our God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Being devoted to the stuff instead of to our God. So John's saying you can't serve two masters, right? You, you have to choose. Uh, it's either loving the world and what's in the world or, or loving God and, 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 and what he has given to you. And, and, and if you choose the right thing, then you get eternal life. Again, a super important situation here to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Because it seems in a vacuum as we're looking at this text that John is saying, if you make the right choice, if you do the right thing, then you get to go to heaven. But we know that that choice is not something that we can do. Right? That choice is, is not something that, that we're even capable of doing. Our love for, the, for, for God would never come first over and above our love for the world because, uh, because of sin. Right? It's not even possible for us to choose God above the world. And our love for the Father, in fact, it only can come as a result of His love for us. Again, 1 John, in this letter, in chapter 4, John says, We love because He first loved us. Right? Our love is a reaction to God's love for us, what He has done for us. So that's, that's everything good that comes from within us. That's our desire uh, to please God. That's our, our, our ability to say no to temptation. Our desire to walk in His ways. All of that comes from God. Right? All of that is a product of, of His work within us. That doesn't come from our goodness, from our effort, from, from our strength. That's all His work in us. And, and our love for God, it can only be a response to His love for us because of that, that sin that is naturally in our hearts. And again, we look, we look to the rest of Scripture to talk about this, and it's already in Genesis where we see that, that the, the creation that God made in perfection was corrupted. Right? Adam and Eve, when they sinned, that sin corrupted every aspect of this world, and it made God's own creation rebel against its creator. So now every person since Adam and Eve has been born as a slave to sin. 
right? In the perfection of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve could wake up every day and say, I'm going to choose to say no to sin. I'm going to choose to not eat from that tree that it's forbidden for me to eat from. That was how they, that's how they worshiped their God. But since they fell into sin and now we are slaves to it, we can't make that decision by ourselves. We can't say, I'm going to say no to sin. I'm going to say yes to my Lord. At that moment, when Adam and Eve sinned, God could have said, that's it, right? My creation is ruined. It's, it's sin is in, in every aspect of it. I'm going to start over. Right? Totally, with, with, uh, totally justified. He could have hit the delete button and started over. Why did he not do that? It's because of you. Right? Scripture says he did not just start creation over because he loved you. Because before the world began, God knew you and loved you and he chose you. He didn't start over because he desired so badly for you to be with him. Right? He, he so deeply desires an eternal relationship with you that not only did he not start the world over, but he went even further than that. He sent his one and only son to be our savior. Right? And, and that, that son, the son of God, he lived for you. He, he died for you. His innocent, precious, holy blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. He paid for your debt. Right? And, and God doesn't even stop there. Right? Jesus rises in victory and God doesn't even stop there. He comes and he says, I'm not going to leave it up to you. Right? I'm not going to go 95% of the way and say the rest of it is up to you. All you have to do is choose the right way. All you have to do is choose me over the world and you get eternal life. God said no. He comes to us through his word, through the, the wonderful gift of baptism. And he says, I'm going to place this gift of faith into your heart. He does not leave it up to us. He comes to us in his gospel and he says, I will open your eyes to my love for you. I will bring you out of the darkness and into my marvelous light where you can see things from my perspective. Right? And, and it's with that perspective of faith, when he, he puts that, that wonderful gift of faith in our heart that clings to Christ, that he also creates within us a, a whole new person. Right? And that new person is created in, in such a way where, where, where we are, are created in the, the light of the Lord and we are able, once again, to say no to sin. Right? So today, as you sit here, as, as, as redeemed children of God, you can make a decision today to say no to a temptation when it comes to you. Right? You can say, I'm going to wake up extra early on a Sunday morning to be at first service. That's important to me and my family that we are in church to hear God's word. Right? These are choices and decisions that you can make. You are, are able to, to, to resist the temptation of worldliness and to set your hearts on God. But remember what Scripture teaches, right? That this does not come from us, that it's not because we are good. It's not because we are, are strong. This is God's work within us, right? This is a product of the gift of faith. And, and this process of us growing in our faith, growing in our ability to say no to sin and, and growing in our ability to walk in God's ways, that process is called sanctification, Right? And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a process that's happening in you right now as, as I speak through God's Word, today in communion, through His sacraments. You are being sanctified. Right? And we know that that's a process. We know that it's, it's not perfect. That even though as we are being sanctified, we still aren't perfect. Right? We've been given this new life, but we still sin. And we still sin because along with that new creation is that, that sinful nature. It didn't go away. Right? It's still there. As long as we are in the flesh, we have to struggle against that sinful nature. We have to struggle still against this sin-filled world, against the temptations of Satan himself. 
Our enemies are still working, still trying to distract us from the, the gift that is ours through faith in Christ. And one huge way that they do this, one huge temptation that they lay before us is what we can see, right? Worldliness, the stuff and the things of this world. So John in our text lists three ways that our enemies try to do this. The first is the lust of the flesh. Now, usually when you hear that, you think about sexual sins, but it's not just that. That word lust, it, it means to, to yearn deeply, to have a deep desire for something, to, to want something so bad that your, heart, that your heart aches for it. What our sinful nature yearns for are not the things of God. Right? What our, our sinful flesh aches for are the things of this world that the world says, hey, this is what's going to make you happy. This is what's going to fill you up. This is what will distract you from, from your problems and your troubles and give you some, some momentary relief. Right? Comfort food, indulging, overindulging in that, uh, pills, alcohol, laziness, luxury, relaxation, and yeah, the, the sinful misuse of the intimacy that God intends for a husband and a wife. These are the kind of things that our flesh craves, but they never do what they claim to do. They never fulfill us. They never satisfy us. They never bring us that contentment, that lasting comfort and hope that, that, that we need in our lives, that, that hole that we are seeking to fill. None of these things fill that. The desire of the eyes, right? That's, that can be a huge distraction for us. And when, when we think about the desire of our eyes, we, we think about entertainment today. Right, Netflix and, and, and scrolling through social media, maybe that can distract me. Maybe that, maybe that can entertain me long enough to, to, to fulfill me, to satisfy me. But think too about this spiritually. This presents a, a new temptation for us in a spiritual sense. Right? Because God's love and His grace, His mercy, uh, the fact that He's here for me, all of these are spiritual gifts that I can't see. Right? I can't see Jesus on the cross. I can't see His love. I can't, I can't see His grace. These are things that I have to... I have to claim by faith the world around me i can see right the stuff in my life i can see that's that's tangible the desire uh, the desires of my eye is is to say i don't want to have to rely on faith i don't want to have to rely on trust i want god to prove it to me right i want a sign i want a miracle i want something to to prove that that what i believe is true so the desire of our eyes is to say god i want more than what you've given me i want more than the the promise of your word I want, I want some other kind of proof. But the desires of our eyes, whatever they might be, they too fall short. Or the desires of our eyes, they distract us from finding that fulfillment and that peace, that lasting comfort from the only one who can provide them for us, from our God. And finally, he says, boasting about material possessions. That's believing in one way or another that, that what I own, what I possess, that's an indication of my value, of my, my worth. Whether it be my, my car, my house, my fame, my job, my, my title, my reputation, all of these things pass away. Right? All of these things, when you view them in the eyes of faith, are like vapor or like a shadow. That's what our hymn says. They're, they're, they're fleeting. They're pointless. They're, they're, they're temporary. If that's what I'm doing, that's worldliness. So then what, what's the answer? How do we defend against these things, resist the temptation of materialism, and cling to Christ? Right, what does our text say? The world and its desires pass away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Right, so just do what God demands and you will live forever. Follow God's law and His commands and then you'll, you'll live eternally. But remember, we have to let Scripture interpret Scripture because that's not what this text is saying at all. 
Uh, it, was, it was when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, it was the next day. He fed all of these people, thousands upon thousands of people, till they were so full. This incredible miracle. Next day, the crowd finds him again, and they're, they're, they're chasing after him. And Jesus takes him to task. He calls him out. He says, you guys are not following me for the right reasons. It's not because I can give you eternal life. It's because I filled your bellies. Right? It's because of worldliness that they got a full meal, a great free meal from Jesus, saw it overfill, overflowing with food. And they said, we're going to follow this guy because he fills our stomachs. Right? That's worldliness. And Jesus calls them out on it. So they say, what should we do to carry out the works of God? Right? How, do we, how do we live in the world but not be of the world? How do we resist the temptation of worldliness and set our hearts and our minds on things above? Jesus says this. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So your salvation is not tied to what you do. Right? It's tied to Jesus. It's not tied to a decision that you make. It's not tied to uh, the family that you belong to, the church you belong to, or, or anything that we have done. It's all tied to what Jesus has done for us. So you already right now, as you, as you sit there in the pew, you are right now forgiven. You're already right now a citizen of heaven living as a foreigner in this world. And right now, as, as a citizen of heaven, you are called to live with that per- perspective. You're called to live knowing that you possess the one thing in the world that does not fade away, the one thing in the world that, that cannot be stolen or broken or forgotten about, that you possess eternal life through Christ. And it's with that heavenly perspective that we use the law in this text and we look at our life and we say, yeah, I have, I have let the world crowd out my devotion to my God. In one way or another, I can name a bunch of ways where the things of this world have become at times more important to me than the things of, of God. And it's with that perspective that, that we repent of that, that we turn away from that. Then in this, this process of sanctification, we get better and better at saying, no, I'm not going to let the world crowd out my devotion to my God. I'm not going to let these things to distract me. I'm not going to try to find my, my ultimate peace and comfort in the things of this world. I'm going to find it in the promises of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So it's with that perspective that we repent and it's with that faith that we, we turn to Jesus and we, we believe, we truly know that we are forgiven. Right? That, that even right now, that God doesn't look at us and say, what a bunch of worldly people. I, I, they, they're, they're in judgment. Right? You don't sit here as judged sinners. You sit here as, as saints, as forgiven children of God. Now, the question that our, our hymn poses, what is the world to me? It's, it's not, not even rhetorical. It's, it's a statement. Right? What is the world to me? It's, it's nothing. Until we die, we know that, that this world is where we, where we live. This is the world where God has called us to, to use our gifts and abilities to be His salt and His light, but it is not our home. Don't be afraid to live differently from the world because as a Christian, you are different. Right? You are citizens of another place. We are, are strangers here. So as we live in this world, our, our hearts aren't set on this world. Our minds are set on heaven and its riches. Right, not on this world and, and, and its desires. Our hearts are not filled with these, these worldly cravings like lust and boasting. They are filled with, to overflowing with the love that God has shown to us. And the only boasting we do is boasting in what Jesus has done for us. It's in saying, He took our place. Right? He did it for us. He, he took my place on the cross. He took my place in death. He took my place in hell. We boast about the fact that He has washed us clean and has given us life. 
The fact that every day as we walk through this life, as we look for that comfort, as we look for that fulfillment and satisfaction, that thing that fills our, our, that hole in our hearts, we look to Jesus and we say, I know it's him. He has given me his peace. He has given me his forgiveness. He's given me his word that even through the darkest, toughest times of my life, that he is walking with me. And that I know that this peace and this comfort are not just for now, but they are for eternity. And we, we have that perspective and we know that my treasure is in heaven then we can say, what is this world to me? Right? It's not that important. All of these things pass away, but my faith in my God, my life, my salvation will never, ever fade away. That's what we just sang about. Right? Jesus is our treasure, our life, our health, our wealth, our love, our friend, our pleasure, our joy, our crown, our all, our bliss eternally. And with that perspective, with how valuable Jesus is to us, with how we've been taken out of the darkness of, of, of sin and being distracted by the world and, and our eyes have been opened to the, the treasure that we have in Christ, we step back and we say once more, what is the world to me? Amen. Please rise for the blessing. That peace which surpasses all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.